0: i say boom
1: we're gonna open with the sad news um my bracket as it turns out total disaster um i've been on a cold streak since like 2014 when i got like when i went like 14 for 15 for the entire playoffs it was brilliant i was like i'm a genius at this and i was only 12 cold streak since then out of my final four teams my champion's still in colorado and they're definitely still uh the front runner i would say fortunately my pick for the finals, the Pittsburgh Penguins, and the other conference finalists, the Florida Panthers and the Edmonton Oilers, all eliminated in round one. Uh, it's a it's a sad time to be me, I've got to say.
0: Yeah, I think it's the George Peros vibes in uh, your team name. He just kind of sunk the whole thing. And uh, yeah, here oh, you Oh Did are. I mention yeah. my
1: team name, for my bracket name is Fire George Peros. So just don't want anyone to get the wrong idea. I don't like using my own name for that stuff. Not because of like privacy or whatever. I just like to be a little creative. So I went with Fire George yeah. Barrows. And I guess the yeah. NHL saw that. They didn't approve. And they rigged it against uh, the teams I picked.
0: Exactly. And meanwhile, on my hand, they appreciate Jack Johnson. And so that's why this guy is currently in first place. Here we go. Only missed so far has been uh, the Winnipeg series. But uh, I've been absolutely rolling. And uh, yeah, the lesson is don't pick against the islanders in the first round and we'll get to that anyways this and so that that's a little update on our bracket Alex is doing completely miserable and uh, I'm reveling in my success okay so uh yeah let's start with a big one since this is uh there are a couple house fans over here uh Montreal versus Toronto we are recording the 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 afternoon after the game uh game five where uh yeah it was interesting uh, as in uh, it was an elimination game because that uh, right so last we recorded shortly after game one. And so we've had four games since then. And, uh, yeah, so, you know, I'll, we'll start with the fifth game, I guess. Because it's the most, you know, I remember it the yeah. most clearly. Uh, and, uh, yeah, it's so down 3-1. It's an elimination game. And uh, the Habs came out firing. Best period of the series. Up 3 nothing, And then, like, you know, the slow decline of be- being the worst team out of the two. And then just bang, bang, bang. They tied it up. Goes to overtime. Uh, where uh, the two best players on the team, without a shadow of a doubt, at this point, uh, Nick Suzuki and Cole Caulfield, off on a breakaway, 2-0, tic-tac-tic-tac-toe, uh, overtime winner, continues the series, brings it back to Montreal, where they'll be actually fans for Game 6 in attendance, uh, and, uh, yeah, almost completely fucking blew it in an in, in incredible fashion, but they managed to save themselves in overtime.
1: Yeah, alright, so, first of all, I gotta say, Cole Caulfield and Nick Suzuki uh, pretty much made up for all the serotonin that I'd been lacking in the series up until that point (laughs) with that goal. Shout out to Alex Galchenyuk, who'd been great in the series up until that absolutely brain fart of a play where he had like three different passing options that would have almost certainly generated an excellent scoring chance for the Maple Leafs and instead decided to pass it right to Cole Caulfield. A terrible mistake. Um, I feel kind of similar recording this episode that I did to the last one right after game one, because um, I I had a lot of criticisms about the team that I planned to say last week, but then they won right before. So none of them really felt as meaningful, even though I still believed them. And I feel exactly the same this week. Uh, I, was, I, mean, I was, you know, collecting my thoughts before the game, like, oh, okay, I'm expecting them to lose game five. What am I going to say about the Canadians and how much they suck? And now none of that clearly is quite as meaningful as it otherwise would have been. But I'm, gonna, I'm still going to mention some of it um, because I do still believe it. So, I mean, watching the them in the playoffs, besides the one exception of Game 5, has been the most unpleasant playoffs since I've been a fan of the Canadians. Watching them, in many instances, especially Games 2 and 4 in the third period, it felt like a chore. They were down by multiple goals. And I didn't believe they were going to come back because they didn't appear to believe that they were going to come back. I just wanted, wanted it to be over. You know how sad that is? That, like... I'm a fan of this team and they're in the playoffs. And I'm just like, oh, just get this game over with, please. That's that's a sad state of affairs. Even in like 2017, when they had Dwight King and Steve Ott and Andreas Martinson, I was excited. Maybe, maybe it's just because I'm older or because I'm more aware of the fact that this team isn't going anywhere, anywhere close to a Stanley Cup. Uh, maybe it's maybe it's because I'm like 100% out of faith in the GM. You know, I think that's it. I think, I think I'm sick of watching this team because I'm out of faith in the management. Oh, you know, um Habs laughs on Twitter pointed out something uh which I thought was really on the nose, which is that you know the this fan base this Habs culture not long ago it was notorious for constantly expecting glory and expecting to always have a great team. And if they lost in the first round it was a catastrophe and a big disappointment. And if they missed the playoffs, you can probably bank on people losing their jobs. And that's the way it should be in a, in a properly run franchise. You should always be expecting to be aiming for the Stanley cup, aiming higher. Somehow Mark Bergevin has killed that culture it is nine years on the job, you know, saying, Oh, we're trying to make the playoffs. At least we made the playoffs or like 2016. Oh, if price didn't get injured, we'd probably be in the playoffs or like more recently. He's is apparently what he's leaning on most has been "Oh, no matter what trade I make, no matter what I do, you're going to criticize me. You're going to rip me. Um, you know, this, I know it's kind of been going on for a couple minutes here, but like I noticed yesterday, or a couple days ago, this team should have missed the playoffs. This should be their fourth year in a row missing the playoffs. You can look at what they did this year, just in just how many points they have in the standings, compared to the other teams that would normally be in the Eastern Conference. 10th place. That's out of the playoffs. And it wasn't very close either. And last year, of course, they were going to miss without COVID. Uh, They were 24th in the entire league, 12th in the East. So with under normal circumstances this would have been their fourth year in a row missing the playoffs uh so really from uh, from that perspective they've benefited greatly from these adjusted circumstances it has been a bad four years for Montreal missing the playoffs four years in a row even though they technically didn't should have putting in that performance should be totally unacceptable
0: yeah absolutely i mean that's the thing right like with this uh it just seems that there's no real light at the tunnel at the end of the tunnel um, where, unless, you know, Bergevin leaves and he gets fired. Um, but in, as, as long as he stays here, right, this roster feels doomed to be unexciting as hell because that's what it is. Frankly, a lot of this team, the way it's been constructed with like, you know, the exception of a few players who, uh, don't seem to get enough playing time or even get into the game enough, uh, for crying out loud. Uh, aside from that, this roster is, uh, they play boring hockey. Uh, the coach is boring in his playing style, and also in uh, all his decisions, it seems. It's just that everywhere you look, uh, this team is designed to be, like, the Islanders light, Uh, which is not something you should be aiming for, for crying out loud. Uh, And uh, the roster isn't, like, it's just, oh my god. I mean, the one stat that, you know, they keep pointing out uh, is, like, what, the defensemen for the Habs so far have zero points in the entire goddamn series, all six or eight of them that I've played. Um, And, you know, that's that's a direct result of being not very good. Um, it just you don't get any sort of contribution from your defensive offensively because uh, that's also a system problem too because I think Ducharme knows that they're slow and so he has them playing ultra conservative. they never they're never really engaged in in the attacking zone. they're always uh you know wait you know waiting for the counterattack because they're not fast enough to recover. they're slow as hell and if they're beat by anybody with any sort of speed on the leaves it's a breakaway. Uh, and it's going the other way, which, you know, seems to be, hap- you know, they get, they get fucking turnstiled all the time. These freaking terrible defensemen, or if they were to be that aggressive, which, you know, Dusharim has, uh, taught them not to be, but at the cost of they're not helping whatsoever offensively. And you could see that playing his day, uh, during the games. And then it's, you know, obviously it shows up in the stats as well. And so, and that has a negative effect on the entire team. Because now the offense, it's like you're playing with like three or four guys in the offensive zone. uh, Because you need one guy who's like always looking behind his back, waiting to like, you know, turn and like, you know, what's a haul ass back because he's too slow to really, you know, catch up. Um, So, and so, yeah, the, the defense sucks. We've railed about it forever. And it just, you know, shows up in the playoffs. I mean, uh, yeah, this team, like even when they win, like what, after it was 3 nothing, it was nice. They had a nice little run. Um, It's just that. It was like a a slow burn. Um, And like, you know, from 3-0 to 3-1 to 3-2 to 3-3. Like, it felt inevitable. Like, I was going, you know, going into the third period up 3-1. I was like, they're going to tie it. The fucking Leafs are going to tie it. There's no question in my mind that they were going to tie that game it was going to go to overtime. Uh, And lo and behold, it happened. And like, you know, it's just overall, this team isn't designed to win in the playoffs or anywhere. Uh, and you know they—they're not supposed to make the playoffs. And like just offensively too, there's just uh, not like you're not getting enough contribution from your guys. You're not getting enough high-quality scoring chances. I mean, you're looking at like you know like stats like expected save percentage for Jack Campbell. It's like 930. That's an expected save percentage. You know Jack Campbell's a bit better than average, and so now his save percentage is like 940. But when you make the shot so easy to save, that's what's gonna happen. You're not gonna score many goals, um, especially if your defensemen are playing already like. At the red line. And so uh, a whole list of problems, but on the ice. But it all comes back to this team isn't built right. The philosophy to build this team hasn't been right for years. Uh, And uh, there's no light at the end of the tunnel. And that's where we are. Mm -hmm. As for that defenseman
1: thing that you were talking about, um, it is also, I would would say, based on his lineup decisions, which we're going to talk about right now, Ducharme's fault, as well as Bergeman's. And I guess because it's Bergman's fault because he's the one who hired Ducharme. Uh, but just focusing on these lineup decisions for now, all right? After Game 3, someone, uh, I don't remember who, asked him if Romanov was going to maybe get into a game uh, or if he was going to make any changes on the lineup on defense. And he said something in the vein of, uh, we haven't given up many goals, so I don't see why we should be changing that. And that's that's such a... like a first-grader's perception of what what defense is. It's not like, they're not two isolated things, like, oh, we didn't get many goals, that's on the goalie, and these six defensemen, we didn't score enough goals, that's on these 12 forwards. That's, everybody knows that that isn't how it works, and that defensemen, ideally, should be contributing to the offense as well, and we see in those numbers that they have done absolutely nothing to contribute to the offense. Uh, Ben Sherratt definitely can't Joel Edmondson, Definitely can't. John Merrill definitely can't. It's simply not in their skill sets. I just named half of the defensemen on this team. Shea Weber, I would put him in that category as well. He can't do that anymore. Sure, his shot goes fast. He scored how many goals this year? Six? I think it was six. And then you have Alexander Romanov. Honestly, arguably, last night when Kulak and Romanov were both scratched, you're, you're sitting your second and third best defenseman. Maybe. I, I would. I would maybe say that after Jeff Petrie, that's number two and three, Kulak and Romanov. That's a sad state of affairs because I like those two players. They shouldn't be your number two and three on your team. The fact that I don't expect Romanov to get into game six either, that you have this young defenseman that everyone in the organization has been super high on. He plays almost every game the entire year. Uh, Then come playoff time, you're scratching him in favor of John Merrill, Eric Gustafson. Ben Chirot isn't such a surprise, but he's been absolutely terrible. Joel Edmondson, of course. I don't imagine he's going to be coming out of the lineup any of the next couple of years. It's it's It kind of feels like a, a parody of a coach that hates playing young players in the playoffs. That's what it's felt like with Dominic Ducharme, is that he's parody, parodying a coach, except it's real life, and it's not a parody, and it's how he actually thinks.
0: Yeah, I can't believe it. Like, how do you, how do you even justify that in your mind? I don't understand. I don't understand. And if he, if he somehow can, some sort of mental gymnastics, how the hell do you get this goddamn job? Um, because, uh, yeah, it just makes absolutely no sense. It, t- it took until it game three to get Cole Caulfield onto to the ice. Let's not forget. And since then, you know, in the last two games, he's been like their best forward. Um, and you know, whenever he touches the puck, it's, you know, you're like, oh, something might happen. And I can't say that about anybody else on this whole team, except maybe Josh Anderson, who's been, you know, pretty damn good recently. Um, and all season. But, uh, you know, it's just these harebrained moves. It's like, where are they coming from? How could you possibly justify not playing Romanov? What, you're going to say lack of experience? He's been playing all year. And he's been damn better than fucking Eric Gustafson. What's that?
1: I said, I wonder how you get experience. Maybe if on the off chance they miraculously make the playoffs next year, guess what? He's still not going to have any experience because he didn't play him last year.
0: Yeah, exactly. What, do they expect him to go to a different team and then like, come back with playoff experience? Uh, yeah, <laughs> it's dumb as fuck. Um, and, like, <laughs> Eric Gustafson, what the hell is he doing on the ice? Huh? Is that a Brett Kulak? What are you on? What are you smoking? Um, this, he's not good. He sucks. Uh, he doesn't really contribute to anything. I mean, what, you're gonna put him on the freaking power play? Are you serious? Um... That's where you get up. You're like, and you didn't want to put Caulfield on for the power play in game one or two. But you're like, you know what? We won't make exceptions for Cole Caulfield. But you know who we should make an exception for? Eric Gustafson. Uh, makes no sense. And uh, yeah, it's just really head to toe in terms of management and coaching. Um, It's uh, it's a bunch of idiots. They don't know what they're doing. And they make all these kind of dumb decisions uh, that affect, you know, the game to game. But also the long term. And uh, yeah, nine years. Nowhere but down. Nowhere but down. I mean, you look at the core that Bergevin got when he took over. He's done nothing but tinker to make it worse and worse and worse. And here we are. A team with, you know, some promising players. Some very promising players in some aspects. But overall, like the way he builds his teams, is dog shit. And he thinks he can compete in the playoffs. Who the fuck are you kidding right now? You think he can beat any of these teams? You think he can beat the Leafs? You think he can't even handle the Leafs? Alone, alone, any of the teams that are going to win the divisions uh, around the league. And if you thought they could, uh, it's completely absurd. And so, uh, yeah, they, they need to get the hell. You know, they need to fire the coach, fire the GM. Uh, regardless of what happens in the rest of the series here, um, I don't think it's likely, especially if they would somehow manage to pull the comeback against the Leafs, which I think is very unlikely. Um, but uh, even if that happens, I would still, you know, boot these guys. Send these guys into the ocean uh, because uh, they're not good. And they make decisions that actively make the team worse. And I, there's no way to justify that.
1: Yep. Um, I wanna talk about Mark Bergerman's little coach's challenge situation where he would where he appeared to be, you know, uh, yelling down to someone from the GM box or whatever that room is where he sits with whoever was next to him. I don't even know who it was. So everyone saw it was uh game three, I believe. The game they lost four nothing. No that was game four that they lost four I think it was that's in game four, right?
0: Uh yeah. Do you remember?
1: All right, no, I believe I it was game four. Exacting. Rasmus Sandin scores a goal from the point. Uh, Joe Thornton appeared to, you know, have a stick tap Carey Price a little bit, but the puck had already gone into the net at that point. Mark Bergevin appeared to be the only, literally the only person on the entire planet Earth who was thoroughly convinced that it was goalie interference, and he was so convinced <laughs> that he decided to inter- intervene and somehow contact the bench, the video coaches, Dominic Ducharme directly. I don't know exactly how it worked. But everyone was speculating, and rightly so, because it appeared very strongly that that was Mark Bergevin's call to challenge for goalie interference, even though everyone else in the entire building, everyone else watching the game, including the broadcasters who are, you know, try to be as impartial as possible, were like, yeah, I don't see how this could possibly be goalie interference. And they were right. And the refs were like, yeah, uh, the, uh, people were joking because it was taking so long. They were trying to find out what they were even challenging for. And that's <laughs> why it was taking so long, because there was nothing there to find, and they couldn't find anything. And I looked at the cut to Ducharme's face after the call was confirmed that it's a good goal. And he appeared not frustrated by the call, but frustrated that he was forced to make that decision to challenge. And that now they have to go uh, kill off another penalty. So I'm thinking, if I'm Ducharme in this situation, that if you, as my boss, as the GM, don't trust me, To make those coaching decisions as the head coach, you do your job, I'll do mine. If you're going to try and intervene, then maybe, you know, this isn't the right job for me. Personally, if Ducharme ends up leaving, I wouldn't be distraught over it, but if Mark Bergerman is trying to keep Dominic Ducharme, then this is a really bad strategy to, you know, meddle and try and do his job for him. And the fact that we saw that that dynamic play out between them makes me think, does Bergerman is does he like is he forcing himself to like have a say in these lineup decisions too? Is he meddling with that as well? Is he saying, hey, I've got to look good? So my traded line acquisitions that I made for this year for the playoffs, Merrill, you gotta keep him in the lineup. Eric Gustafson, you gotta get him into the lineup for at least one game, because I made that acquisition. Eric Stahl, I gave up two draft picks for him. So I don't I don't care if Jake Evans is clearly better. Eric Stahl's staying in the lineup. Uh, and I mean, if that's the case, uh wouldn't surprise me. And that would also make me, you know, feel kind of bad for Ducharme. Would he make a better lineup if he had more free will to do so? I don't know. I really have no idea. I mean, I wouldn't count on it. But, I mean, if Mark Bergevin is really pulling all the strings here with his lineup, then that just it makes it even stronger, if that were even possible. My my idea that
0: his time is absolutely
1: done with this team.
0: Yeah, you know, maybe this is a, uh, you know, maybe Ducharme is in a Pierre Dorian kind of situation where, you know, his boss is so bad that, you know, he's low-key uh, good at his job. Well, I find that hard to believe. I find that hard to believe, you know, given everything that he said. However, you know, maybe. Now, you know, this all this meddling talk kind of leaves that open as a possibility. Um, and so, yeah, it's on many aspects, this is so dumb. Like, first of all, just the goaltending inference part of it, um, just challenging that, you know, you're actively hurting your team here, using your challenge, taking that penalty. And it's like, it also makes me concerned, like, what the hell is Bergeret looking at? What? Is he that stupid? Um, like, nobody, you, you nobody in their right mind who knows how the league calls goaltender interference in this day and age could have possibly seen that goal and said, oh, yeah, I think there's there's even a chance that that's going to get overturned, especially when the call on the ice is a goal. Uh, it's completely absurd. It's bonkers. And, uh, you know, it makes me concerned. Like, you know? Maybe Berge just isn't good at watching hockey either apparently. He's not in tune with, with the with the rules. Um but also yeah, the dynamic of the meddling GM. We've talked about meddling owners in the past, but I don't this might be the first time I've heard of a meddling general manager in the lineup. I don't recall talking about uh, such a situ- situation, but uh, here we are. Uh and it's not good because that is not his job. He should be focusing on his job, which he isn't already good at. He's already not very good at. Uh and uh, not worrying about these lineup decisions. That have been bad. And so, uh, yeah, it just... And look, whether it's, you know, Ducharme's feelings, frankly, I couldn't care less. Because by all indications, he's not a very good coach. And if he decides to up and leave, well, I imagine he'd have a hard time finding another NHL job. And so, you know, I I find it very hard to believe that Ducharme's going to be like, yeah, okay, I'm done. I'm going to go somewhere else now. Yeah, what other NHL team's going to hire you with the way that they've been playing, you know, he's been managing the half roster. So, you know, I find that bit hard to believe. And so I don't personally you know, care about Dominic Ducharme's feelings so much, as I do the uh, the concern I have for Mark Bergevin's ability to watch hockey and also to manage his employees, uh, which uh, ha- seem to be abysmal at this point. And yeah, absolutely, I agree. Uh, it seems that on every front, this guy needs to go. He's not good at his job anymore. And you can find a better person. You can find a better general manager for the Habs. Uh, and, uh, you know, get rid of this philosophy, which seems to be flawed on every single level.
1: Yeah. You know, I think well the Ducharme stuff, I think I would definitely be more concerned. I'm more concerned about the principle of the situation, which is that Mark Bergerman is meddling with the coach, uh than the fact that the coach might be leaving. If if this were a different coach, if this were a coach we liked, that was good. Um maybe that even, you know, had a pedigree of success elsewhere, which Ducharme does like in junior, uh, and that's pretty much it. Uh like like for example, if uh Joel Bouchard became the head coach of the Canadians next year, which personally I think they should leave him with a rocket because of how well he's done there. But just say, Joël Bouchard uh, becomes the Canadian's coach. Things start off great. Uh, and then Mark Bergevin all of a sudden starts calling down for coaches' challenges and lineup decisions and whatnot. Uh, and then, you know, all of a sudden, Joël Bouchard's like, I'm a better coach than this. I don't need you telling me what to do. And then all of a sudden, Mark Bergevin chases a talented coach out of town with his meddling ways, I I fear that if this pattern continues, then that could be what ends up happening.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You're you're absolutely right on that point. And so yeah, the the concern isn't Dominic Ducharme in particular, as it is the way that uh, Mark Berger seems to uh, have a tendency to meddle um, in you know what's not his his job, which uh, you know he's not qualified to do it. He's Not even qualified to be a general manager at this point. So uh, yeah, get 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 it together. Um, all right. So uh, yeah, so here we are. You know, game six is tomorrow, uh, in Montreal, and uh, yeah, like the Leafs at this point, you know, five games in, have shown to be the better team. Uh, like, all right, we haven't even talked about Carey Price. Carey Price has been so really damn good this series, you know. Um, and yeah. despite that, you know, elite Carey Price, which I personally didn't believe was gonna like show. I didn't think he was gonna show up, but he did. And uh, yeah, I'll eat crow on that. But the concerning part, really is the fact that we have elite Carey Price here who's playing like, you know, with these crazy saves, you know, maybe like top five goalie in the world. You know, we don't see this often, but when he does, he's on. Uh, but yet, despite that, the team around him uh, is, you know, bad, can't seem to rally around this kind of performance, and is noto- like markedly worse than the Leafs. And so if that's, if I'm anyone evaluating this team, uh, if I'm Jeff Molson, that concerns me a hell of a lot. Because not only is my goalie getting older. He's overpaid. And, you know, these kind of performances are going to happen less frequent, less and less frequently. But also, when they do happen, the team around the fucking sucks. And they can't compete against, like, legit cup contenders. Uh, and that's what's happening right now. And, you know, over the long run, uh, you know, if even if they, you know, manage to pull back and the Leafs choke and whatever, this is not sustainable. You are not getting nowhere fast with this approach. Uh, and because, yeah, you know... These playoff series are pretty small sample sizes, you know, 7 games or whatever. You have a nice little high streak, you can pull a comeback, but you know, four rounds, you're not you're not you're not fooling anybody if you're playing like freaking Boston or uh, I don't know, any of the other division winners or even half Florida. You can get fucking smoked. Um so, yeah. Yep.
1: I, exactly. I mean, if it's not this off season that Birgman gets fired when, when is it the next one when they miss the playoffs next year by like fifteen points? I guess. I don't I don't think I don't think there's anything left for Bergman to prove. I think he's shown us exactly who he is, and I hope Jeff Molson can see that as well. Uh like right at the end of the of the season. Anyway, let's move on to the other North Division series, because this one was causing quite a ruckus as well, and for good reason. Um the Edmonton Oilers. Versus the Winnipeg Jets. Everyone knows now, the Jets swept the Oilers. Uh, it was a, a, a big surprise to many fans. Uh, almost all, I would say. Uh, including both of us. We both picked the Oilers. I picked them to go to round three. And I see now, my fatal error, uh, was that I was focusing too much on Connor McDavid. And also Leon Draisaitl, but mostly Connor McDavid. And not enough on the logo. And the and the the, the wretched stink that emerges from the Edmonton Oilers crest. Uh, that is just, just, they choke. They choke. They've won one playoff round. If they make the playoffs, I should say they choke. They've won one playoff round since uh, McDavid has been on the team. And guess what? The most recent two have been absolutely embarrassing. This year, the Jets, they got swept. That's incredibly embarrassing. So embarrassing that Stephen A. Smith talked about it. Uh, And last year, they were the heavy favorite in the play-in round against the awful Chicago Blackhawks. And they lost in four games um, because, you know, they suck outside of two players. And I failed to consider that. And I mean, that's, that is the main reason why they lost. It was like, oh, they got goalied. Oh, they outplayed the jets by this metric and this metric and this metric. Uh, if you get swept, I think, okay, here's what I, here's what I think. Here's my main takeaway from this. And then I'll let you speak on it. Um, some people, there are kind of two schools of thought. And one of them is that you have these two, uh, elite franchise players and you can't surround them with anyone uh, that's been good. You haven't found any success with them. You need to blow something up, make some, you know, big changes, make some big moves because you just got swept and that's embarrassing and you have to do way more. And the other side is, yeah, they got swept, but let's see, they're a pretty good team. Um, they outplayed the Jets in every game. They got goalied. Three of them went to overtime. The Oilers were the better team in this four game series. So maybe don't panic. And the thing with that, but that second option is I would say if you're a real cup contender like the Lightning or the Avalanche or a team like that and you get swept even though you got played the other team, then I can see you saying, all right, let's not panic. Let's not blow it up. If you're the Oilers though, you were already not in that tier. You're not a Stanley Cup contender tier. Uh, so the the fact that you got swept uh, I don't care if you outplayed the Jets. Alarm bell should be going off. This should be a wake-up call saying we have to do more to surround McDavid and Drysdale with better, even though we outplayed the Jets. I don't really care.
0: What? Uh, this, the the real story here uh, is that the Oilers think around, aside from, you know, McDavid and Drysdale, Because was McDavid playing as well as he was at the very end of the season? No. But, uh, you know, I think that was a bit unsustainable. But even then, he wasn't bad during the series. They had like what four points of four games? That's like a important game. That's pretty damn good. Um, it's just that literally everybody else on that team sucks. And sucks hard. Um and yeah, they're just really, it might be the worst supporting cast in the whole damn league. Well, maybe not. That might have been an exaggeration. Definitely within the playoffs teams this year. Um and yeah, it sucks for McDavid. I feel bad for him. And Drysaddle too. Uh, because uh, there's like... Holy shit, their depth is incredibly bad. I mean, what? So the the stat that, that jumps out at me, not a single Oiler in four games had more than one point at 5 of 5 None of them. Other than McDavid and dry saddle. Um And so they're just... They're terrible. You just look at the names and they're bad. But then you look at how they do on the ice and it's even worse. Uh, and, you know, it's the freaking Jets. The Jets are not that good. They showed us all season how, you know, okay, they can beat up on the bad teams. They were excellent against the fucking Senators, I think it was. Um, or maybe that was the Oilers. But, you know, they, they cleaned up. Um, but, you know, all in all, I wouldn't, I don't love the, I don't love the fucking Jets. Uh, I don't love their team. I think their defense is atrocious. I think, you know, they lean on Connor Halibut too much. They did it this series. It worked because the Oilers suck. Um, but I don't think it'll work against anybody who's uh, remotely legit in terms of playoff contention. Um, but yeah, that just goes to show, you know, like uh, a sweep is a sweep. Uh, and even if even if it was seven games, the Oilers lost to the Jets, I would still be very unhappy because I don't love the Jets. Uh, if I was an Oilers fan, I'd be like, what the hell? We should be beating the Jets. Uh, especially with Connor McDavid and Leon Draisaitl, two of the best players on the uh, in the NHL. Uh, and so yeah, in every sense of this, it's complete embarrassment. Like what three of the games went to overtime, but it still doesn't matter. I don't care. Like, uh, you lost the games, but also you should be beating the Jets. You don't, you shouldn't need three overtimes. Uh, and yeah, they just couldn't, the depth just didn't show up because it was never there to begin with. Uh, and so that's, that's kind of the story there. I think, um, it's just that Ken Holland is absolutely miserable at his job. Well, you know, you know, it's not just Ken Holland. It's a it's a history of Oilers general managers who have been absolutely atrocious. And uh, yeah, so I guess in that sense, I would agree. The Oilers think comes from the management and their complete ineptitude in finding quality players, except for when they you know luck into them at the top of the draft, at the very very top of the draft. And so uh, yeah, that I think that's how it is. And uh, you know, this team is just built so fucking poorly. It's incredible. Uh, just. Truly not like if if neither McDavid nor Dry Saddle were there, even if just one of them were there, this would not be a playoff team. Um and if both of them were gone, uh this would be one of the very, very worst teams in the league. Uh so yeah, there's just yeah. there's nothing there aside those, from those two. What? Your best player is a resurgent thirty eight year old <laughs> Mike Smith? Get out of here. Superstar. Ugh.
1: Yeah. Um interesting points uh people have been making are that the Oilers have kind of missed their chance to draft the supporting cast because, you know, McDavid is already twenty four. Dry I think, is twenty-five. Uh, and you know, if you st- if you're like drafting players in the upcoming drafts, saying, Oh, right, yeah, this is gonna be our great supporting cast, they're they're gonna be in their late twenties, maybe even early thirties by the time those players hit their prime. Um, the know they have some people Dylan Holloway, Evan Bouchard, they're probably gonna be like rookies next year. Might be a boost. I don't know. But I really think um where the Oilers are now the smart thing to do moving forward, uh, which is the case for very few other teams. You need to try and take some swings in free agency, Gabriel Landeskog, I don't see him leaving Colorado, but man, that would be a perfect fit, uh, with the Oilers. Uh, even guys like, you know, uh, Blake Coleman is the type of middle six forward. They've been lacking forever and ever, or, you know, players like that come to mind, even like, you know, Yoel Armia would be a nice fit in Edmonton, I think, but but of course what they're going to do is just run it back. They'll re sign Mike Smith, probably like one year five million. They'll re-sign whatever free agents they have at forward, Dominic Cahoon, Jujar Kara. They'll bring them all back. Uh Chris Russell's still under contract for another year. They're gonna have a, a roster next year that's the same as this one, except maybe you add Dylan Holloway and Evan Bouchard. And uh will, will Adam Larson and Tyson Berry still be there? I don't know. Maybe one of them. Uh are they going to sign Tyson Berry to a $8 million AAV contract? That would be a catastrophic error. I think they might do it. Uh, and, you know, honestly, I think if they run back a smith Coskin in tandem again next year and Smith reverts back to the way we all thought he would be, then you might have two of the worst goalies in the NHL on your hands and you might you might really bottom out, even with McDavid and Dreisaitl on your team. And that would be quite the wake-up call, I think.
0: Yeah, I mean, I don't see how this is not a wake-up call in the first place. I mean, huh. McDavid playing one of the best seasons ever, and you can't even get out of the first round against the mediocre Jets team. Um, like it's. Oh, did you see what? Uh, huh? did you yeah. see what
1: Holland said about how they're like we want to grow into a good hockey program, like they have in Winnipeg or whatever? Did you see that in his in his like uh, press no, conference? I didn't. Yeah, he was like they've got a good program over there in Winnipeg. They're a real team with depth. We hope to grow into one of those programs. And I was like, is that really where you're setting the bar? A team that finished 9 points below you? Oh man.
0: <laughs> oh, Christ. I'd be mean, like, yeah, you know what? Well, I would say hire a damn analytics department. That's what I would say. You know, find some players who are good analytically and shove them on their fourth line. Um because, you know, even that I think would be a significant improvement over the garbage that they have right now. I mean, that Fourth line of like who is it? Kyra Archibald and Shore. Fucking yeah, awful! Like that. Holy Christ! Um, They're brutal. Here's they how played by the Jets. And the Jets definitely isn't even that good. Um, and you know the third line isn't much better. And you know so yeah. And also Dave Tippett. What the is, is what is he? Is he the coach there for the future? Like I don't. He's not a think very good coach. So. Yeah, the yeah,
1: no. people were complaining about lineup choices that he had made, especially at the bottom of the lineup 2, like uh Tyler Ennis, uh, like barely played at all the entire year in favor of guys like Devin Shore and I was like, "Hmm, that's kind of strange. Oh, Kyle Turris is really washed now. Uh he barely played at all the second half of the year. Uh James Neal was up and down from the taxi squad. There were some some peculiar things he was doing at uh, at forward. Um but speaking of that, Jet's depth, thought of Nate Thompson. He played 44 games for the Jets this year on that fourth line and scored two goals and three assists. Good for him.
0: Production. Um, yeah. yeah, good for him. <laughs> All right. If he can if he can put that kind of production up and still stay in the lineup, uh, yeah, good for him. He found his Because he, went fa- he uh, wins face-offs. That's it. Of course. All right. So, uh, yeah, we'll move out of the North. I think, uh, yeah, not much else to say yep. there about the Oilers and the Jets. Uh, okay, so where shall we go? Um, let's go to the central. Why not the central? Uh sure. And uh, okay, they're they're both wrapped up at this point. Uh, the, you know, Nashville, Carolina, just ended last night, and uh, yeah, let's start there. So yeah, they the, the the Predators put up more of a fight than I thought they would. Uh, what like four of the games went to overtime, but in the end, you know, like what UC Saros was was awesome, but yeah, Carolina was just a better team. Um, you know, certainly made it close, you know, up to nothing. And then what they, Nashville tied it up to two in the series. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean like, sure. So Nashville, if you're Nashville, you're David Poyle. Um, you had the chance to, you know, take it down and, you know, rebuild, get some assets, you know, trade away your defenseman at Colm Ellis. Uh, you didn't do that. And you had, you know, six games, four of which were very intense and close. And, you know, that's great and all, but here you are, first round exit. And uh, I mean, unless you're banking on UC Saros being one of the very best goalies for the foreseeable future and, you know, a four and a forward group, that's not very good. Uh, like this seems that seemed like a mistake, uh, y- even if the, the, they were close games against Carolina.
1: Yeah. Um, well, I, for one had Canes in seven. So I did see Nashville giving them a bit of a fight, mostly because uh, they were really hot to end the season. So I was like, oh yeah, watch out for them. Uh, And I was right, because they were pretty good. Um, I stand by everything I said about David Poyle before, though, which is that this team was never going to go anywhere in the playoffs this year or probably next year either. And so, you know, trading guys like Ekholm, who only have one year left after this. uh, And what other other forwards were they talking about uh, potentially trading? Probably not Forsberg, even though he only has one year left, because he's very good. They traded Michael Granlund at the deadline because he's now going to be a UFA, like right away. Eric Halla, Brad Richardson, if you can get like a seventh round pick for him. All uh, these pieces where you can get some assets from and maybe, you know, start a rebuild, even though you've got, you know, Duchesne and Johansson and Yossi lock- locked up uh, forever. Even Ryan Ellis. But there are some trade rumors about him. And honestly, he's he's 30. He's signed to, what, 2027. If you're going to want to take her for that contract, hmm, Ida Ryan Ellis is still pretty good. Maybe go ahead. They could still do some of that this offseason, and I think that would probably be the right idea since they aren't really any closer to contending than they were, you know, a couple months ago when we were having all those discussions. Uh, But one group of people I do want to shout out is the fans of Bridgestone Arena in Nashville, which was was really, you know, rose to to prominence and being like a, a, a marquee NHL arena in 2017, when the Predators made the Stanley Cup Final, I was like, look how loud it is in there, look how energetic it is in there, and every time they've made the playoffs since then, um, no matter how good Nashville has been, uh, that energy is kind of maintained, and I've really especially got to praise them for it this year, because this Nashville team, on paper, sucks, and they don't play an exciting brand of hockey, and UC Saros is the only reason they made the playoffs, let alone, you know, almost pushed the series to seven games, and they've got guys like Alexander Carrier and Tanner Janot and Matthew Olivier in the lineup and these Bridgestone Arena fans in Nashville are making it seem like it's the most exciting team ever that's the easiest to cheer for so uh good for them that's a fun arena that that's definitely probably one of my like you know if I could only pick like a couple arenas to watch a game in ever Nashville would definitely be one of them
0: yeah I mean they managed to make uh a party party arena in a market that uh pretty small and uh, in the south too so uh yeah good for Nashville they seem to have you know cultivated a fun little environment there but uh yeah the team go moving forward I mean what's the direction where the hell are you going um, you think this is this like you think the players you have now that's the core of the future um, you think you're going only gonna get better from here uh if that's <laughs> the case David Poyle uh, you're mistaken sorely so uh and so you know like that's 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 what I'd be concerned about and uh and and if we, if we keep going like this, I mean, unfortunately, we won't be seeing much of Bridgestone Arena in the playoffs. Uh, because, uh, yeah, as you said, aside from Saros, this roster fucking sucks. Uh, all their behinds played for are garbage. Uh, out- washed, basically, overpaid, except for, you know, Forsberg. And so, yeah, it's not a good outlook for the Predators. But uh, it was an enjoyable series. Frankly, I thought it would be much more lopsided. Uh, than you thought it was, and uh, yeah, I was mistaken, you know, they pushed it to overtime, shout out to Saros, uh, but uh, yeah, the long-term outlook, I would not want to be a Preds fan, uh, because uh, there's no direction.
1: Yep. Uh, let's talk about the other series in that division. Tampa, Florida. <sighs> this one makes me a little sad, because I was cheering for the Panthers, I know, I was talking about how I picked them, that was a pick, you know, like, because they were the unpopular pick, I was really getting behind them, I was really cheering for them, it was a super exciting series, they fell short, though. Six games, the Lightning. I guess getting Kucherov and Steven Stamkos injected into your lineup at the exact same time does actually tend to help. Uh, who could have seen that coming? But one thing that bugs me about the series is that Spencer Knight didn't get in until Game 5, and I think that is what cost Florida. I, I wasn't really expecting them to start with Bobrovsky. I, was, I thought they were going to go with either Dreger or Spencer Knight, and I thought Spencer Knight was the right choice. I know it was a relatively small sample size, but he was great in the four regular season games he played for Florida, and he was a superstar all year um, in uh, in college and at the World Juniors this year. That wasn't that long ago. That was just a couple months ago. Uh, and, I mean, looking back on it, looks like Knight would have been the right guy to go with. Game one, uh, the first one, they lost 5-4. to four. Dispenser Knight stopped some of those shots that Bobrovsky couldn't, maybe. Uh, game three, they won, but it was 6-5 in overtime, so Chris Drieger was pretty shaky. And then game four, uh, they lost 6-2. to two. I think Bobrovsky was back in for that one. Uh, and Spencer Knight didn't come in until game five. If he had started all those games, is it a different story? Does he stop more pucks? Um, I think maybe. I think there's a pretty good chance.
0: Oh, I think the answer is yes. I think it's outright yes. And I think not putting in Spencer Knight cost on the series. Because, well, maybe not the series, but it, I think for sure it would have gone seven games. I mean, Spencer Knight, game five and six was fantastic. Uh, well, you know, game six not so much, but like, you know, overall, much better than freaking Bobrovsky or Drejer. They were terrible. I couldn't believe they went back to Bobrovsky in the first place. He sucks. He sucks. Uh, and Drejer wasn't good at all. And I don't know how you either of those guys have absolutely no leash at whatsoever. They, neither of them should. Um, especially the way Knight's been playing. And Knight comes in and you, his save percentage is 933 at the end of two games. One of which he lost. Like, that's how good he was. Uh, And there's no indication to show. Like, he was ready. He was ready for the fucking playoffs. He came to play. Uh, And neither of the other guys did. And so, you know, I'm left here scratching my head. Like, what the hell were you thinking? Um, Playing freaking Sergei Bobrovsky. It's just, what the heck? He's terrible. And anyone with two eyes can see that he was terrible. He's been bad all season. The team ahead of him, in front of him, rocks. And that's why he had a nice little win-loss record. But aside from that, hell, Drijer was better than him all season, uh, and yep. so yeah, I just I really don't get it. Uh, I don't know what Quenville was thinking, and I really think he shot he g- he cost them a significant shot at this series because I think you know it was it w- you know I think Tampa was slightly better on the skater side, but I think it was very close, uh, and it's just the goaltending was so lopsided. Vasilevsky was you know very good, and the Bobrovsky and Drijer were awful. They were terrible. Uh, and they costed the whole freaking series, uh, and that and like you know Tampa Bay's power play was pretty sick. Um, but yes. you know, who could have seen that coming? Uh, 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 oh well, yeah, it was it even it took me back. You know, I especially with Kucherov, you know, getting heated, really getting adjusted, getting back into the rhythm of things. Uh, yeah, that power play fucking rocks, uh, especially when you watch the fucking. We didn't mention the Habs power play. <laughs> Half power play. Oh my. Holy Christ! Holy Christ! I don't know if I've seen a worst half power play in my life. They're awful. Oh my God! What are they? Oh, like 15 now? Like I'm surprised every time they get a shot on goal because it doesn't happen often. Um. Oh my God! It's like they spend most of the time in the defenses. zone. I'm like, what is going on here? Is it is it a Leafs power play? And like you know, that's not so bad if it's one game, but it's all the games. It's, they can't figure it out. Anyways, that's a tangent. Um, But uh yeah, I think, I really think when it comes down to it, they if they played Spencer Knight, you know, maybe we're looking at a game seven. I think it's very likely, in fact.
1: Yeah, the big story with Bobrovsky, of course, will always be his terrible contract. Um I mean, they could buy it out. I think that'd be an idiotic idea. I don't think they'll do it. Just because you look at the breakdown of it, they only save like, three million or so on the cap for the next five years and then they'd have like over a million on the books after that when Bobrovsky would have been done anyway i don't think it makes any sense to do Then with bad goalie contracts is that i think they're even worse than bad skater contracts because like jeff skinner for example if he sucks which he kind of does you could just you know play him sheltered minutes play him less and still have him contribute to your team with Bobrovsky, he's either in the net sucking for $10 million or on the bench doing nothing at all for $10 million. And it's a total lose-lose uh, for the for the Panthers with him. I think what they're going to have to end up doing is to just make him the backup goalie. I think that's the smart thing. You try to get as much value from the asset as possible. Make, keep, uh, keep trying to hammer him in as your starting goalie. Hasn't worked for two years. I don't see why it would work in the third year or fourth or fifth or sixth or seventh. So you say Bobrovsky is most valuable to us as a, as a backup goalie and Spencer Knight is our starter. And uh, this, this, I guess will just have to be our tandem with a $10 million backup.
0: Yeah. I, I What even the side, makes even less sense. Like in retrospect, but also at the time, like they just drafted Spencer Knight in the first round.
1: What yeah, are you a doing week
0: earlier? What are you doing? It's the same people in the boardroom. Like what? If, what? What was the plan there? What was the plan? They're signing this guy to like seven years. What you thought Knight was going to develop for seven years. Uh, Yeah, they were smoking something and uh, it's awful. It's and now it's like, you know, it completely hamstrings them. And I I agree like goalie contracts are worse because there's no way to play them in a sheltered role. You either play them or you don't. Uh, And yeah, I mean, that's what they're going to have to do for the next little while for the next long while uh, with Bobrovsky because he's not good anymore. Uh, and mm-hmm. he was—he's never been good for the Florida Panthers. And signing that contract it might be the worst in the league now, honestly, because it hamstrings them so. It's so much money for a guy who sucks, and they already have the heir apparent on the team playing great. Uh, so yeah, from every angle, man. Oh, from a long-term perspective for the Panthers, but also just in this series, like you spent four four games figuring out which goalie was better. And it was the third guy you went to when he was clearly the, like, at least, at worst, second best goalie on the team this year. Um, it's completely asinine to me. I mean, what are you even doing?
1: Yep. Uh, fully agree. Let's move on to the Eastern Division. Boston, Washington, Boston and five. I've got to say, I nailed that prediction. So at least that one feels good. Boston and five. That was in my bracket. Um, the big stories here, though, I find have mostly been with Washington, uh, and most of them with two players. One of them is someone whose contract is now up, Alex Ovechkin. And I don't think, let's talk about this for uh, a minute. Well, obviously, we'll talk about him more probably as free agency approaches, uh, which I think is actually two months from today. I think July 28th is the day. Um, because I don't think he was even on like free agent frenzy list or anything because everyone was so certain, oh, yeah, he'll just re-up in Washington. They'll come to a contract. I think that probably still is the most likely thing. But I could see this kind of going south, uh, these discussions, these negotiations, uh, because things just kind of seem sour in Washington in general. Remember earlier this year, um, there was that thing, him and a couple of his other teammates were suspended for, I think it was like four games for violating COVID protocol. Uh, they've just, you know, totally fallen flat in the playoffs three years in a row now since their cup win, uh, lost in the first round every single time. And people just just seem unhappy in Washington. And if Ovechkin doesn't want to stick around there, especially if, you know, he, he doesn't really see, you know, uh, the potential for rediscovering this kind of, uh, like, you know, Stanley Cup window, they don't have that many, you know, great young players up in the system. And also, if Evgeny Kuznetsov gets traded, which is appearing like maybe a possibility because the Capitals aren't happy with him for a multitude of reasons. I could see Ovechkin walking saying, yeah, yeah, whatever. I want a Stanley cup. Let me, you know, try out new things, go somewhere else, see if I have a good time.
0: Yeah, I can absolutely see it at this point. I mean, look, this team, the Washington Capitals are not on the up and up whatsoever. I mean, yeah, like it's just, I guess they're trying to like, the window is closing and I think they realize that, I mean, just that mantha moves kind of screams desperation there. Uh, and that Mantha move did not pay off whatsoever, first of all. Like, Rana has been very good with Detroit. And uh, Mantha was garbage this series. Like, what, he have one point? Um, and, yeah, it just feels like the core is just kind of aging out. Uh, and, you know, they won a cup. Good for them, you know. Mission accomplished there. But, uh, you know, if I'm Ovechkin uh, and I'm chasing that record, that Gretzky record, you know, most goals of all time. I mean, I'm not staying in Washington. I'm looking around. Seeing if anyone can accommodate my very particular skill set, which is scoring Oilers. goals on the power play most of all. Uh, Oilers. Which, yeah, sure. That's Why the, the hell not? Yeah, put him next to McDavid and uh, bang, bang, bang. That's all sorts of goals right there. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, look, I think I think right now at this point in time, I, th- I do think it's likely that he stays in Washington. But more and more, like the direction this team is heading and the kind of negative press that's been around, uh hell the coaching. Like uh who the hell's their coach right now? I forget who they hired after Reardon Laviolette. Um oh right, yeah, Laviolette. Um, but you know, it's just they you know, after Trotz left, it's like they haven't really been able to figure it out in the playoffs whatsoever. The team's on the decline. And so there's absolutely reason, which is I think my point in the end, there's absolute reason for Ovechkin to leave this place. And if he does, I wouldn't blame him. I'm like, yeah, player movement, what the hell? Why not? And uh, I wouldn't, you know, I don't think it's I would I I would think it's a pretty smart move for him because you know as you said there really isn't much in the future for the Washington Capitals there really isn't anything up and coming um, so yeah I mean look none other none other forwards are particularly good like they're they're you know they're they're stars or whatever um, like they all kind of sucked the series against the Bruins they're all shut down you know and uh, who was it, like Backstrom and and mantha and like freaking tom wilson was pretty bad He didn't produce on offense and so you know like and i think we could kind of expect that more and more as time goes on these guys get older because they're not in their prime anymore well you know they are in their prime but they're nearing the end so yeah uh this team isn't isn't going is going nowhere fast in the long term and so if Ovi, you know he recognizes that and he wants to get out wouldn't be surprised at all
1: you know, I think it would be kind of fun, funny if he ended up going to the team that tried to draft him a year early and made those. Remember that with the Florida, the, the Panthers. Anyone who doesn't know the story in two thousand three, uh, the Panthers tried like several times in the late rounds to draft Ovechkin, and the league kept saying like, "No, you can't do that." He missed the cutoff, the very clear cutoff by two days, and then eventually they requested like a, a formal rejection of the draft pick. The league was like, here it is. They're like, all right, fine. Basically, they're making an argument like about leap years, and if you like take off the leap days, then all of a sudden he meets the requirements. And it's like you can't just take off leap days. But anyway, I admired the gumption of whoever was the GM at the time of the Florida Panthers, Dale Talon,
0: And of course,
1: <laughs> was it Dale Talon? No, wasn't he? St- yeah, he was yeah. still in Chicago, I think.
0: Maybe, maybe. was he
1: was he even in Chicago at that point? I I think he only went to Florida in like two thousand ten or something, two thousand nine. Anyway. I think it would be funny if he ended up in Florida after all that. Uh, the other series, of course, in this division um, uh, uh, creates such anger within me. The Pittsburgh Penguins and the New York Islanders. All right. For anyone who listened to our playoff TV prediction, I was getting angry just thinking about the prospect of the Islanders winning again. All right. With their their terrible back ass words style of play. All right. As, I, I hate it so much. And what makes I think this one even worse is that the only reason it worked is because Tristan Jari sucks. All right, the Penguins ran the Islanders show <laughs> in every single game. All right, the Penguins deserve to win. Jeff Carter, are you kidding me? Lighting the lamp like it's 2012. All right, the Penguins—they're—they're they're firing on all cylinders. Everyone is playing great. They're—they look like a, a Stanley Cup final caliber team, except the goal <laughs> one of the worst in the entire playoffs. Tristan Jari absolutely blew it for them. This is literally, this loss is 100% squarely solely (laughs) on the shoulders of Tristan Jari. There's really no other explanation for it. And the Islanders, I mean, sure, be happy you won, but recognize that it's only because you had the good fortune of having Tristan Jari as the opposing goalie, all right? It's all Tristan Jari's fault. And I guess it's also, even though he isn't there anymore, Jim Rutherford's fault for not being able to acquire uh, a better goalie. Though, I mean, to be fair, Matt Murray versus Tristan Jari, there really is no good option there. The good option was Marc Andre Fleury and no one called that uh when Matt Maria just won the Stanley Cup. So the Penguins they, they found themselves in this little goaltending pickle. Uh and they guess what? They're they're squandering the very end of Crosby and Malkin's prime years uh having no one uh no capable goalie on the team.
0: Yeah, so uh okay, correction it was Rick Dudley. He, a former Habs assistant general manager. Ah, player. yes. Uh, he was the guy. Yeah, that, that, that was the context under which we, we told that story before on the podcast. Uh, anyways, uh, yeah, so, so Pittsburgh, New York, I mean, yeah, you're absolutely right. Uh, the only reason they lost was because Tristan already sucks. And, uh, yeah, who could who could have possibly seen that coming? I wonder. Um, but, uh, yeah, he just, he cost them the game both uh, in his overall body of work over the course of the series, but also, you know, like game five, right? It was game five. He was just like, here you go. Have the bucket overtime. Just score on me. Go mm-hmm. go for it. It was a fucking atrocious giveaway, um, which uh, has been you know frequently meme now on the internet, as one does when you commit such a terrible mistake. And uh, yeah, that really was the difference, wasn't it? It was goaltending. I mean, uh, Pittsburgh was a better team. There's no question about it whatsoever. I mean, their forwards were better, and it was just they were producing offensively. It's just that Sorokin was good, and Jari wasn't. Uh, and that's the story of the series right there. And, you know, like we've talked about tandems. I've talked about tandems in the playoffs and how they're important and all. Uh, they have nobody behind Jari, especially with, you know, I think Casey Smith was injured or something. Um, and, you know, yeah. when Jari sucks, which he does every so often, are oh, you going to turn to Maxim Lagasse? Ha, jokes. Yes. Um, Like, I guess so, but maybe worth a try. But, you know, like that just goes to show how bare the covers were. I mean, you look at the Leafs, for example. I mean, if Jack Campbell sucks and go to Freddie, if Freddie sucks, you know, maybe Dave Ritt can pull out some magic out of his ass. Um, that's not completely out of the question, and I think it's much more likely than freaking Maxim Legasse doing anything of note in the playoffs. Um, despite his former, you know, what he played for the for the Knights for a little while, um, for a few games. I mean, that that's it, right? So, uh, yeah, that's it's a complete failure on management part. Like this was a good team. This was a pretty well constructed team. Uh, eh, but they completely failed him on the goaltending front. And, I mean, this was this was always a vulnerability, you know, like especially the way, you know, Jari played well down the stretch, but early on he was awful. And you're like, yeah, you probably need some insurance for that. And they didn't. And it cost them in the end. In a, in a series that they should have won, they completely blew it. Well, not they, Jari completely blew it.
1: Maxim, like I played one NHL game this year and he got a shutout. I know it's a very ah. small sample size, but still, huh. honestly, any goalie, at, at, by the time you're at game six, uh, you know, it was tied of 3-3, three, three, and like the second period, the Islanders get like a fourth goal, then they get the fifth goal. At that point, how are you not thinking, all right, Jari has sucked the entire time, let's try something new. Let's try the wild card, Maxim Lagasse. We all know that goaltending is uh, very unpredictable, and maybe all of a sudden he'll be, you know, 2015 Andrew Hammond or whatever, and he's going to lead us to to glory. I mean, obviously unlikely that that happens, but you know what was less likely is Tristan Jari in the middle of the second period in game six when we're already losing (laughs) 5-3 to suddenly turn it on on and find a new gear. That was pretty much never going to happen. Uh, so I also think, so I guess what I'm saying is I'll blame this like 1% on Jim Rutherford who wasn't even there anymore for not getting a better goalie. Uh, maybe like, uh, 9% on Mike Sullivan for not giving Maxime Lagasse a try when it was clear Tristan Jari, uh, just had nothing, nothing in the tank at all in terms of, you know, uh, competence and 90% on Tristan Jari himself for being the one who actually sucks. All
0: right. Fair enough. You know what? Yeah, that's. That's fair. I would put less blame on Mike Sullivan because, uh, you know, Maxim Legasse is uh, not good at all. Um, I would put the blame on uh, whoever the general manager is. So Jim Rutherford, I'll put more blame on Rutherford. And uh, who's the new guy? Uh, uh, Hexel. I don't remember. Okay, right. Of course. Why didn't you get someone at the deadline? Could have done it. Could have gone in for all in for Chris Deidre, although that didn't pan out so well for the Panthers. But, you know, could have gone after somebody. <laughs> I mean, I, he was better um, than Jari.
1: I think the Penguins would have won had Chris Dre during that this series.
0: Honestly, probably. Um yeah, Jari was uh, fucking bad. <laughs> oh my god. Um and yeah, so really like so should we do a quick review of Boston, New York? Uh
1: yeah, sure. Why not? Bruins Islanders incoming in uh in round two. I predict that the Bruins are gonna win. I hadn't thought about that until just now. Uh I think you know the Islanders, look at how they played against the Penguins. Uh, if they play that exact same way, I think the Bruins and Penguins are at about the same level, except Tugarask is a very good goalie, whereas Tristan Jari is not. And honestly, I think of all like of any elite teams, I think the Bruins match up very well against the Islanders because like that whatever feisty uh, knock them down whatever you want to call it game the Islanders want to play, uh, the Bruins can do it too, and they can do it way better. And they also have way more offensive weapons than the Islanders do. So I would I think the Bruins are gonna. Keep rolling. I'll, I'll say six games.
0: Yeah, I was, I, first of all, I'll follow my uh, bracket, which uh, is very intact right now in the East division. Uh, and I'll take the Bruins. And I think it's pretty comfortable. I mean, you know, Islanders voodoo aside, you know, that's always a thing, right? You got to keep it into consideration, you know, oh, Barry Trot, ooh, his system. Um, But I still really don't think <laughs> that's system. enough at all. And uh, yeah, exactly. So five games, I think. Uh, yeah, I'll say it's even less. I think it's pretty lopsided here in terms of talent. Uh, I think it, I I also had that same you know comparison in my head between Boston and Pittsburgh. I thought you know I think just Boston's a better version of Pittsburgh, um, and also with a much better goalie. Not just that, much better two goalies, hell, three goalies than than uh, Pittsburgh. So you could say four. You know, it's you, you, I don't even know who the fourth guy is. Uh, but Vladar. what's that? Daniel Vladar. I'd rather have him in oh, my right. interest in Jari. Yeah. Yeah, true. Why the hell not? And so, you know, uh, I don't think this uh this this holds up for New York. You can't play like they do and beat the Bruins because the Bruins are very good. So they're well built and they're fucking rolling. Especially near the end of that, you know, Washington te- that Washington series. Uh it just like, you know, getting warmed up. Tuka's getting, you know, good. He plays great and uh Yeah. I mean look. What does those I think it's very lopsided? Uh if you Don't take the voodoo into account. And even if you do, I still love the Bruins against the Islanders. And so, yeah, five games.
1: How about Tampa, Carolina? Do you have a prediction there?
0: Uh, Well, I have to follow my bracket there again, uh, which, uh, yep, two for two in the Central as well. Uh, And I will go Carolina. I think it's seven games. I am very worried for my bracket in that respect. That's my my area of most concern right now is that Tampa Carolina matchup, because I have Carolina going to the finals. Um, but, you know, I think Carolina, they got they got uh, Jacob Slavin back, and he looks awesome. And so I think, uh, and they've played the, the whatever you want to call it, the, the gritty overtime games in the playoffs. And so <laughs> they know how to win that way. Oh, they know and, how to win. Yeah, so exactly. So, You know, to be totally frank, if I were to redo my prediction right now, I would probably take the Lightning. But, uh, you know, I must stick by my bracket. And uh, so, yeah, Carolina and seven. Yeah,
1: I I would pick the Lightning right now as well. Um, If I had known the Lightning were going to beat the Panthers, I probably would have gone with the Lightning over the Hurricanes too. Just because my main worry was, is Victor Hedman not at 100%? Um, Is, you know, putting these two players, Stamkos and Kucherov, back into the lineup right now, is that going to, you know, uh, discombobulate things? Uh, and it clearly hasn't. Uh, those Both both of the things those things appear to not really be such a concern. I looked at Lightning this year, and honestly, my confidence that I have in them now is pretty comparable to how I felt about them last year when they won the Stanley Cup. There's another team that knows how to win, because they just did it last year, every single round. So I'd pick Tampa, and not to mention Carolina's. You know, they've been a little bit shaky against Nashville in some aspects. So um, I feel like six is kind of my... You Know this, the like default prediction for how far a series goes, but here I'll go with Tampa and five in this one. They're getting a little, a little okay. edgy,
0: wow, dicey. All right, um, okay, so moving to the west now, uh, where we have a stark contrast with the uh, most lopsided series and uh, the tightest one. I think it is, oh, well, right as of now, the only one going to seven. Uh, you know, who knows? Maybe Habs, Habs Leafs will, uh, hopefully it will. Um, but yeah, let's start with the, uh, the Habs Blues because it's over. And, uh, honestly, I was wondering, had we covered the sweep in last week's episode? Um, because that's how happened. That's how fast it happened. Uh, (laughs) yeah, it's just, there was no match. It was no match. It was like, uh, look, the Habs are so much better than the Blues in every respect. I mean, five on five power play goaltending. It's just like. It wasn't even close. They, you know, they stood no fucking chance. Um, so, yeah, there's really not much to stay here. I mean, on top of that, you have the resurgent David Perron landing on the COVID list. The Blues had no shot whatsoever. It was never going to... They, they had basically no shot to win any of the games, let alone the whole goddamn series. And, uh, yeah, 4 nothing. I mean, there's not much, to, not much else to write there other than uh, the Avs are significantly better than the pretty bad Blues.
1: Yeah, I mean, the Avalanche do feel a lot like the favorite in this entire playoff right now. And after Tampa's performance against Florida and the way they're really clicking, I feel like they're almost kind of in that same tier with Colorado. And so I'm actually looking at the standings right now to see how likely it is that they end up playing in the Stanley cup finals. Uh, say we end up with like Toronto out of the North division, which is the most likely thing. Then I oh, actually no, this is a better way to look at it because either Boston or the Islanders, whoever wins that one, uh, is a lower seed than Tampa, who finished eighth in the league. Colorado's number one. Uh, so actually, it looks like the say all right. This is kind of getting a little only confusing. I'll wrap play. it up fast. What?
0: Okay. The only it uh, seems like the only place that they can play is in the finals. They can't they can't play in the third uh, round because whoever comes out of the east will necessarily be the fourth uh, at least be the fourth seed, and Colorado's the first seed. So yes, exactly. They both yeah. make it. Yeah. So.
1: Uh, that'll be fun if that happens, which I think, upon reevaluation, is my prediction. Uh, but anyway, n- no, no revisionist history allowed here on Fusion and Hockey yeah, Podcast. He has one of four uh,
0: of division winners.
1: <laughs> yes, exactly, and of course it was the Cadre suspension. Uh, you pointed out something kind of funny, uh, because that suspension was announced, I think, right after Game Three, and you said, "Would it be beneficial for Colorado?" to lose a game or maybe even two against St. Louis so that Kadri misses less time in the next round. Uh, personally, I think no. I think like the rest for everyone else is more beneficial. But it's definitely a, a funny thought because now Kadri wouldn't be able to return until a potential Game 7 in Round 2 against either Minnesota or Vegas. Whereas, you know, if they lost that Game 4 against St. Louis, then won Game 5, then he could have been back for a Round 2 Game 6 which could, of course, definitely make a difference. Who
0: knows? Yeah, but uh, who knows? Maybe the appeal will get his games reduced. Uh, But yeah, I mean, uh, why the hell not, right? Uh, Well, see, that's the thing. That's the thing. You don't need to play your other players. Just play your goddamn AHL team. Let's go. uh, Play the whole damn AHL team. And so your players get rest. You lose a couple games against the Blues. You come back game six. You absolutely, you know, chase the Blues off the ice. And now Kadri only has what? Three, two games less two games le- less than what he had so like what five games left in the suspension i don't know the math mm-hmm. on that but uh yeah that's a terrible idea imagine of course because you shouldn't be playing with any yeah <laughs> imagine the uproar yeah
1: if that had happened to like um for a player like mcdavid or something that he gets like an eight game suspension which I'm, would probably never happen but just imagine like the Oilers are in that situation or they're like all right, we need to shave as many meaningful games off the suspension as possible because we know if he's gone for six games the next round, we'll have no shot. And then they just like ice a bunch of nobodies, score on themselves, and their opponents <laughs> are like, how dare you disrespect the?" And honestly, I think we kind of make fun of that type of thing, but they would probably have a point of the integrity of the game if they're, if they're throwing playoff games on purpose because they're just that confident oh, they're going to beat you in game six
0: be so funny uh i don't think any, it would i don't hilarious. think any of the integrity i don't think any of the integrity of the game would be uh in in uh in question are you kidding me if you want to do that if you want to do that kind of self-sabotage go right ahead uh make me laugh i'll watch the game yeah. for five sure, minutes yeah. uh and uh you know like what you're just you're just saying that you're gonna you you have that much confidence that you'll want to will you'll win one of game six and seven and if i was the abs i would absolutely have that confidence especially against the blues so uh you know i just think yeah, extreme hypothetical here of course but uh that shit would have been hilarious and uh, uh you know would have had cadre well, wasted opportunities all i'm gonna say anyways all right mm. so yeah unless you have any uh any other so addendums on abs blues yeah go ahead
1: if colorado loses in round two to whoever they're playing then are they're gonna be you know articles written about how they should have you know tossed games against the blues to have cadre back sooner is that going to be the, the big glaring error on Jared Bednar's part? I think definitely yes. Yeah, um, I, I will series... write those articles. I oh, yeah, write are going to get a, get a journalism right. degree just to publish that in a, whatever newspaper still exists. Anyway, Vegas versus Minnesota is the final series we haven't touched on quite yet. Game seven tonight. Good chance that series will be done by the time you're listening to this. Or maybe it's in the middle of the game when you're listening to it. Uh, who knows? Um, I am glad this one went seven because I'm glad when any series goes seven because game sevens are one of my favorite things in the world. And if I had to, I don't think I want to make a prediction for this one. I know I had I had Vegas in my bracket, uh, but I don't know. There's something about about Minnesota this year that feels like they're gonna, you know, it feels like I might have mentioned this in our playoff preview. This type of series, that's like everyone like, oh yeah, Minnesota's good. Watch out for them. They'll give the Knights a real fight. Oh, look at them they made it all the way to game Seven. Oh look at them they even pushed into overtime isn't that so cute of them look at them scrappy underdogs go and then they'll win and we'll be like wow i didn't honestly take it that far
0: <laughs> yeah like okay so i'm so conflicted because you know my bracket mathematically needs vegas to win like this is a big thing if not if i do end up sustaining the success i'll be relying on like the stand the tiebreaker where I picked the number of Stanley Cup goals in the entire series. Which uh yeah, I picked that out of my ass, so I didn't do really any, any thinking about it. So I don't hey, like what that. You I think I picked 24. I, I picked 24. And uh, in my in this ideal case scenario, my uh my competitor I think picked 30. So um you know it, 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 there's some cause for concern. So I, I am rooting for Vegas in that aspect. But you know like you talk you talk all about the numbers, the math that goes into my bracket. But at heart, my eye test was to cheer for Minnesota. Um, A, because I just really don't like the Golden Knights, and B, uh, well, many reasons. There's not just A and B. If B, it would be fucking hilarious <laughs> if Vegas were to lose like this. Are you kidding me? <laughs> uh, they lose in the final. They lose the final the first year. They lose in uh, what? They lose to the fucking Sharks like they did in the second year of their oh, existence. Yeah. Third year they lose to the Stars in the Western Conference Final, and then this year they blow a three one lead to the fucking Wild. Uh, I would fucking lose it. Um, I think that would be fucking hilarious. Uh, and C, the Wild are just uh more likable. I think the Wild are quite a likable team this year. Um, out of all all like especially compared to the other years of their existence, because uh you know Karol Kaprizov is exciting. Cam Talbot is playing well when he decides to play well, which is like uh, what. Basically, the three games where they won, he played excellent. The three other games, uh, he was all right to mediocre. Um, but, uh, you know, it's a fun bunch. And, you know, I have a particular affinity to Cam, for Tom, Cam Talbot because he was on my fantasy team. Um, and so, yeah, the Wild just feel like a fun bunch. You know, I see a lot of Dom Lecision on my Twitter timeline. Uh, he yeah. brings some, some enthusiasm. He's a big Wild fan this season. Uh, and... Yeah, it just, they're just more likable all around. And Vegas, it would be just so funny to see them blow a 3-1 series lead like this. But, you know, my bracket screams no, but my heart screams yes, you know. Uh, it's just that kind of I scenario. I don't know who to root for. But uh, this series fucking rocks. It fucking rocks. I thought I was pretty disappointed when I got to 3-1 and it looked like Vegas, you know. Um, they were going to really, uh, you know, doom in in maybe five games. But the Wild, the Wild have clawed back. And you know, Vegas, if they lose a series, it's they, they're losing like they always do, which is their, like, their ability to somehow dominate the play, but also never score goals. Um, so, yeah. you know, it's just, it's, it's like an That's awesome series. It's a great series. Yeah, exactly. And uh, I'm just, yeah, I'm just happy it went to seven. Uh, and this is just, it's going to be fun to watch. Yeah, i
1: looking forward to game seven tonight. I can't wait. Let's get into... Our guess who for this week, we are at like an hour 11. I think we usually would have started by now, but let's get going. So for this week's guess who, uh, it's actually been over a month since we did a guess who. That was the Ottawa one. Today we're doing the Toronto one. Uh, Last year in the bubble, we did um, Pittsburgh and Philadelphia when Montreal played them. Now that Montreal is in the middle of a series against the Maple Leafs, feels like now is the right time to do a guess who about the Maple Leafs. We got Jack Campbell, Frederick Anderson, and David Riddick. You got some defensemen, Morgan Riley, TJ Brody, Jake Muzzin, Justin Hall, Zach Bogosian, Rasmus Sandin, and Travis Dermott, and a bunch of forwards, Matthews, Martin Nylander, Tavares, Zach Hyman, Nick Herfoot, Herfoot, Ilya McKayev, Wayne Simmons, Jason Spezza, Joe Thornton, Alex Galchenyuk, Pierre Engvall, Riley Nash, and Adam Brooks. And I actually think that that covers exactly everyone who's played a game for the Leafs this series, uh, not one more, not one less. So that worked out kind of nicely in that way.
0: Very nice. So uh, we're doing a thorough... Thorough guess who, and so you can learn yeah. everyone who will uh, take part in blowing a three-one lead to the Habs. Okay, so <laughs> um, I have randomized, and so uh, randomized. who will
1: who will mute first? I will mute my incoming audio in three, two, one. I have Alex Kerfoot, and I'm back.
0: All right. Okay, all right. I'm muting in three, two, one. My player is Justin Hall. Alright, I am uh, returning now. Alright, let's see if we can cook something up here. A win for me. I think I'm still winning the season series by one. Uh, Yeah, so let's okay. update that
1: score actually right now. Uh, Yeah, so I have three wins. Ty has four wins and there are five ties all time dating back to almost a year ago. Our first ever one of
0: these was May 31st. Alright. Okay, lots of loser points here. Or tie points, I should say. <laughs> okay, yes. so uh, who should start? Does it? Uh, um, I think since
1: I'm still the most recent idea? winner, that I have home advantage. Okay. So you have the first right, guess.
0: So. Uh, sounds good to me. Alrighty, let us let us organize. Pretty bare bones spreadsheet. Uh, couldn't really think of anything to uh, sort these dudes by. If anybody, by the way, has any ideas for uh spreadsheet columns, I'm open to suggestions. <laughs> Yeah. Anyways, all right. Here we go. Let's go by number. Um does your player have a number of 31 or lower?
1: Yes, my player does have a number of 31 or lower.
0: All right. So uh man, I keep getting these bad splits. So that's unfortunate. All right, go ahead.
1: Actually, I have more columns this week than I have recently. In addition to, you know, uh last name, first name, number, position, handedness, nationality, Uh, And age, I also have got a draft team and draft position and previous teams. I decided to include those this week. And I'm going to start. My first question will be about age. Is your player 28 years old or younger?
0: 28 years old or younger? Mm -hmm. Yes, they are 28 or younger.
1: All right. Goodbye, 29 and ups. Goodbye, oldies.
0: Yeah. See you later, senior citizens. Um, (laughs) Let's let's go with... uh, all right, draft round. Okay, let's do mm. it. Um Was your player drafted in the first or third round? In the first
1: or third round? Let me just correct. check this Not out the second. and yeah, yeah first Good or third.
0: Drafted in the second. All right. Uh
1: huh. Was my player drafted in the first or third round? No, my player was not drafted in the first or third
0: round. All right, so see you later. Big names and uh, see you yeah, later, let's... big names. All right, and uh, also Frederick Anderson, the only third round pick I had left. Okay,
1: uh, uh very interesting. Um, is your does your player's first name start with the letter I or earlier? A to I.
0: Yes. Yes.
1: All right. Goodbye, Mitch, Morgan, Pierre Rasmus, Travis, William, and Zach. You're no longer needed.
0: Um. Yeah, let's try. Okay, yeah, sure. Um, was your player drafted in the fifth round? Let's go. Draft no, round season. My
1: player was not drafted in the fifth round.
0: All right. whole bunch of second
1: rounders here. All right. Was your player drafted by a Canadian team?
0: Uh, No. My player was not drafted by a Canadian team. All right. Okay. So that's goodbye so, to a
1: couple least draft picks and one Montreal Canadiens draft pick. I've got three players left now.
0: All right. So do I have a couple defensemen, got a forward. So I think where we're, I know where, where I'm going. I'm going with a forward. I have Hall, Dermott, and Simmons. Is your player... Old man Wayne Simmons.
1: No, my player is not Wayne Simmons. Ah,
0: oh, no, that's sad. All right, okay.
1: I have three players for left the as early well. Lead. Okay, uh, this is for the early lead. I have Alexander Kerfoot, David Riddick, Ilya Mikheyev. Um, once again, we avoid goalies here. Uh, on the off chance that it is a goalie, then that's just too bad for me. Hmm, do I go with Kerfoot or Mikheyev? You know who's giving me correct vibes is Ilya Mikheyev. Is your player Ilya Mikheyev?
0: Unfortunately, he gives actually incorrect vibes. Uh, It is not Ilya Mikheyev. Okay. Okay. Understood. So now I have uh, two defensemen uh, who in my mind are basically the same person. Um, I have Justin Hall and Travis Dermott and uh, neither of them seems more remarkable to me than the other. Frankly. (laughs) um, In any sort of way. So uh, yeah, we'll go with Who's giving me wrong vibes is Travis Dermott. So we'll go with, is your player Justin Hall? Yes, my player is Justin Hall. All right. Okay. Here we go. Big all right. Uh, let's,
1: all right. Let's see if I can book the tie here. Is your player Alexander Kerfoot?
0: Yeah, it's Alex Kerfoot. Very okay. nice. Very nice. So, all right. Pretty so standard round tie round there. Yeah.
1: Normal stuff. Normal right.
0: stuff. Normal shit. Uh, as we see often in Guess Who. All right. got him all right next player has been randomized
1: all right one second gotta reset my spreadsheet and then okay randomizing boom got it all right i will mute incoming audio in three
0: two one captain john taveras and i'm back all right welcome i am muting in uh three two one
1: my player is zach hyman
0: all right, uh, I am coming back now, and uh, here we go, round two. Uh, so All I right. think it's your turn to so, start now.
1: Yes, it is indeed my turn to begin. I'll go with a, a fun number question. Who doesn't like a good number question? Uh, and I'm going to go with a slightly different split than the one you had last round. I'm going to go oh. with, this: your player's number 33 or lower?
0: 43 or lower?
1: No, 33 or lower.
0: Oh, 33 or lower. Uh, let me check. Uh, their number is not 33 or lower.
1: Nice. Splendid. Wonderful.
0: Okay. Glad you're happy with that result. Um, let's see. Let's, how do I split these? Okay. So, was your player drafted in June, uh, June 10th? 1992 were they born that day or earlier
1: wait can you, wait, wait wait sorry As, at first you were like was your player drafted on june 10th yeah 1992? yeah I,
0: I switched it up real quick at the end there on the fly um yeah so born june 10th 1992 uh, or earlier
1: or earlier um my player was born june 10th 1992 or earlier, okay, I see. All right, uh, for sad. my question, I'm going to go with: Was your player drafted in the top eleven?
0: Let me check. Uh, my player was drafted in the top eleven.
1: Uh, all right, wait, wait, one second. Hold on. Um, I. Wait, did I? Okay, hold on. Um, something was weird with my spreadsheet for a second. One, two. The
0: analytics broke. They failed. I'm sure God will the eye test. All right.
1: Okay. Never mind. Uh, we're good. We're good. Uh, okay. It was just um, just just because when I I sort by like number for that column, and then uh, the undrafted players ended up below the title line. Just like. You know, labeling each column, so I was confused, but I figured it Excel out due to people. my superior Excel intelligence. <laughs> yeah.
0: Here we go. Okay, all Google right. Google Sheets. So, yeah, let's go. Top 11 draft pick. I'll go. go I'll ahead. follow. I'll copy you, except I'll go top 28. Was your player drafted in the top 28?
1: No, my player was not drafted in the all top right. 28.
0: See you later, first rounders. All well, y'all remarkable folk. Yeah. <laughs> All y'all special talents. Yeah. All right. Uh,
1: Was your is your player's nationality Canada?
0: Yes, my player's nationality is all right,
1: Canada. Very nice. Because I'm now I'm getting rid of three players uh, that it would have been very hard to pick between Matthews, Nylander, and Jack Campbell. And instead, now my final three are John Taveras, Joe Thornton, and Morgan Riley, Which, to be fair, that's still kind of hard to pick between those three. But
0: Anyway, yeah, I, don't, I don't know where I'd go, but uh, okay. All right. I got a, a, a bunch of non-forwards, which is fun. Um, so how should I define them? That's a question. Uh, draft has gone pretty well. Uh, let's see. Should I go with you know, nationalities? Four-two splits. So that's unfortunate. Um, yeah, let's go by draft. Is, draft is good. Um, is your... Was your player drafted in the uh, third round or earlier? No,
1: my player was not drafted in the third round or earlier.
0: Okay, so I got a, a, a Muzzin Brody, Hyman combo here. All right, wow! Nice. This game is yeah.
1: really just us both getting to three players left at the exact same time, isn't it? All yeah, right. and
0: then and then sniping it. Yeah, this we've we've reached like this is. Yeah, we reached this, peak. This is where guess reached. who?
1: All right, yeah. This is what this <laughs> exactly. game is always Optimal meant to. Be. Guess who? <laughs> yeah <often. laughs> all right so i've got Tavares, thornton and riley these are all pretty notable guys which i guess i should have guessed considering i narrowed it down to top 11 draft picks um i think though i've got to go with the one who is currently the least important to the maple east out of all of them Which feels like the right thing to do is your player joe thornton
0: no it is not joe thornton
1: <sighs> sad sad okay. day for me
0: all right okay uh, yeah, I got the two defensemen and a forward scenario here again, and so we must persist, uh, persevere with this formula. Is your player Zach Hyman? Yes,
1: my player is Zach Hyman.
0: Oh, too good. Too good. I could tell from your sigh after I told you it wasn't Thornton that I probably bagged it on the Hyman, um, him being the only forward. Pretty excellent. My player, for the record, was... Uh, I you know, I really thought when you were gonna say like least important to the Leafs, I thought you were gonna go John Tavares because uh he's injured. Um but uh because um, that wow. would have been the right answer. Uh so I guess he is currently yeah. the
1: least important. Exactly. <sighs> well, all right. So you've guaranteed at least a tie for yourself this game. Um so yeah, I cannot continues. tell you overall. But Hell I yeah. think I think I'm gonna I think I'm gonna I'm gonna win this one. I'm gonna I'm going to take some big risks and they're going to pay off. You just wait and see. All right. Let me randomize. He's for the get fenders. my final player. All right. I'm going to mute incoming audio in three, two, one. Zach Hyman. And I'm back. All
0: right. I am muting incoming audio in
1: three, two, one. My player is Ilya Makayev.
0: All right, I am back now. Here we go. All right. Trying to secure the tie. Playing guess, guess away. This, guess away. All right, I'm going to play like the Habs do when they're up 3-0. Extremely conservative. Let's see if it see if it gets me anywhere. All right, uh, one sec. Let me just make a new column real quick. I want a new column. I want a first name. I want a last name column. Uh, hmm. Last name. Some on-the-fly adjustments here. Why the fuck is this? Ah, It'll screw up my spreadsheets. It's only it's only going to fail me. All right. Uh, Okay, so we'll go with first name alphabet. The question is where to sort. Looks like the J's are a nice place to sort. Lots of J's on this team. Jack, Jake, Jason, Joe, John, Justin. Yeah. Uh, Is your player's first name Justin or earlier in the alphabet?
1: Yeah, so the player's first name is Justin or earlier in the alphabet. Oh
0: hell yeah, we are looking we are hurtling straight towards a J last name, first name question. Here we go.
1: All right. Uh hmm, I think should I go with a uh uh which of these stupid risks should I go with? All right, is your player yeah. a forward? My
0: player is a forward.
1: That sucks.
0: It's, yeah, appears, it's a
1: bad start for me, I gotta say.
0: It appears to be a bad strategy, is what I would say. Um, okay, alright. Uh, is your player... Does their first name start with... J or I? I'll throw an McAv M&M in that group. Basically a J. Yes,
1: yeah, so my player's first name starts with J or I.
0: Oh, hell yeah, let's go... Got seven dudes. Ah, I could have just gone with Jays. Why didn't I do that? Clown shit. All
1: right. Go ahead. Does your player shoot right?
0: Um, my player does shoot right.
1: Yes. Let's go. Super oh, sniping no. questions. We've got six players left.
0: All right. Congratulations. Um, I have... How many do I have? I have seven now. All right. Mm-hmm. So I'm still on track. This is good. This is, this is Thai territory. Um, so let me split these dudes in half. Uh, okay. Um, is your player. Yeah. You know what we haven't done? We haven't like outright, like named players. That's, that's spicy. (laughs) Is your player one of, oh no, no, no. We can't do this. Okay. Um, all right. No. Fine. Yeah. No, that ruins okay.
1: The plan. All right. Part of the challenge we'll is to, if you really want to narrow it down to like a group of three players, <sighs> then you got to find the common trait that they have.
0: Okay. Okay. All right. All right.
1: Yeah, your player's drafted in the first round. Um. No, my player was not drafted in the first round.
0: Ooh. Nice. I'm down to three. All right, That paid off. <sighs> good. Good. All right. Thank you. My my initial question probably would have been worse than what what this would have left me. All right,
1: <laughs> all right. Huh, what shall I, what shall I go with? I wanna. All right. Hmm. All right. I, there are two players specifically here that I want to make sure I split up so I don't end up with both or none of them just based on uh, vibes alone. But they appear to have many things okay. in common, so that's proving to be difficult. Um.
0: Hmm. The vibes are real. This is this has become a vibes game.
1: Oh, it's always I think it was a always vibes a vibes game.
0: game. Yeah, it's always been a vibes yeah, game. Exactly. Yeah. That's true. <laughs> all right. Uh all right. I trust the spreadsheet. I trust the numbers. I'll just vibes. Alright.
1: Yeah, nothing on my spreadsheet appears to be splitting up these players, so I guess I'll just lump them together, whatever. Um is your is your player's number uh less than 20? Not including 20. Is your player's number one to 19? Yes. All right. So that is a goodbye to Wayne Simmons and Riley Nash and William Melander, which means now the three players I have left are Jason Spetsa, Zach Hyman, and Mitch Marner.
0: Okay. Interesting vibes. All right. So I got three dudes I got McCabe, I got it. Muzzin, I got Hall. All right. Forward, defense, defense. This is The third time it's pulled up. Uh, let's go for it again. Is your player Ilya Mikheyev? Yeah. Oh, hell yeah. Let's go. Big win. Just like that. Let's <sighs> see if it's a 2 nothing or a one one nothing.
1: Yeah. I, wow, voice crack. I have no idea. All of these players are the, exactly the same to me in this moment. Jason Spetzal, Zach Hyman, rich Marner. I mean, I recently, I, I just had Zach Hyman last round. So I guess I'll rule him out for that reason. Mitch Marner's is very good. So that leaves, is your player Jason Spezza?
0: Yeah, no, it was the first guy you ruled out. Uh, lucky for me, I got fucking Zach Hyman right after you did. So uh, <sighs> yeah, you were you were not Fry. destined to win that one, unfortunately Sad. for you. Um, so yeah, the, the league extends. To Back to two. Thank you very much. Uh, and so yeah, that's our latest iteration of Guess Who. Leafs sending me some good vibes for once, uh, and uh, yeah, pretty clean victory, two nothing. Let's go. And so uh, yeah, I think that does it here for us this week. Uh, yeah. We'll be back. When will we be back? Do we? Have we was it Monday we said, or when the series uh, ends? Right. I think I think our plan is
1: right the day after the series ends. We're going to do a, a short episode. Uh, just catching up on all the whatever has happened between now and then, and also perhaps previewing the draft lottery, which is coming up very, very soon on June second. Ooh.
0: Okay. All right. I haven't seen any of the odds, so uh, I gotta, I gotta touch up on that.
1: And they're a little different so, with uh, Seattle I... in there now. That that's the the sixteenth yep. team. I think part oh, yeah. of the reason we're well, no each... really talking about it is. Uh, besides the fact that the playoffs are going on at the same time, is that there's no slam dunk number one guy this year. Uh, so it'll probably fly under the radar a bit, but doesn't mean we can't dissect and discuss and predict.
0: Exactly. And so, uh, yeah, what the the valuable insight you'll get from listening to next week's episode is uh, our predictions for the winners of the draft lottery. Um, very insightful, I believe. Uh, so, yeah, um, that's it for today. Rangers, and also, again. who knows what... Uh, ooh, yee. Yeah. I'm, take. Kidding. I'm um, kidding. I'm kidding. All right. Are they even eligible? I don't even recall. Uh, yeah, 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 that That win?
1: thing where you can't win more than a certain amount in a certain amount of time doesn't kick in until,
0: I think, next year. So. Oh, okay. All right. So they are. So, uh, yeah, might as well hand it to them now at this point. Um. So, yeah, that does it for us. Tune in next week. Maybe we'll have a, a draft segment, too, depending on how much time we have and all that. Uh, so send us any ideas for, for categories you want us to draft. Uh, send us any sort of idea, honestly. We're open to anything. Uh, and we'll listen to you. Uh, so yeah, that's it for us this week. Uh, our socials are in the description. Don't forget to uh, like and subscribe to this podcast. Tell everybody you button. know about it. Exactly, smash that button. Tell everybody know because uh, you know everybody's in that playoff hype right now. And uh, yeah, for nice listening. We'll see you soon. Bye.